Well, again, good morning to you. Uh, good morning to uh, those of you that are joining uh, here online with us, and we definitely look forward to that day where we get to worship with you here in person, here on campus. Uh, we are going to be continuing our series uh, called Jesus for Everyone, and we're going to be in Luke chapter 15. This morning, we're going to be looking at some of the most well-known parables, probably the most well-known parable, um, but we're only going to read the, the first two, and then we'll dive in here together. Luke chapter 15, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. It says this. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, speaking of Jesus, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, and sweep the house, and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. I want you, if you can, to imagine you're one of the religious leaders that, that, that's described here in this story. And, and you're there in your town, you're there in your, your village. You're a community leader. You are a religious leader. Your people regularly gather and, and, and you instruct them in, in the ways of the Lord. And, and what you hear is that there is this itinerant preacher, this rabbi that, is, that has come into your town. And you have heard all kinds of incredible things about this rabbi, about this teacher, that there's even just like mind-bending, mind-blowing stories that are being told about him, about people coming to him and, and, and the lame walking and the blind seeing and the demon-possessed being delivered. And, and all, again, all of these stories that are just circulating around this man. So you go. I imagine that you're intrigued to go and, and visit with this man. And so maybe you find yourself heading, maybe it's the town square, or maybe it's along the shore that people are gathered together, but, but you just, in a distance, you see that there's just this, this great crowd that's surrounding this man. And as you get close, you're a little bit taken back. And the reason that you're taken back is because you're thinking, the stories I'm hearing is that this might be the Messiah. This might be the Redeemer of Israel. That this man that I'm going to come visit is supposed to be someone that is expositing and, and explaining the Word of God 
with such authority like no one else has ever heard. But as you get closer, you, you see that the people that are surrounding him are prostitutes, are tax collectors, like traitors to God's people, notorious sinners. And not only, like, can you imagine the scene? Like, you're, you're showing up and you expect to come across like this, this really godly man. And as you get closer and closer, it's just like this wild, rambunctious party that's taking place. There's like wine that's flowing. There's all kinds of food that's being eaten. Maybe there's, there's music that there's playing. And you just show up and there's like prostitutes dancing around this man of God. Like in that moment, you're, you're reeling. You're trying, to get, you're trying to get your mind around what's happening here. And imagine that you're showing up with some level of expectation. Right? You're, you're, there's some level of expectation in your heart that as you show up and you interact with this man, you have a picture in your mind about how this conversation is going to play out, and you show up, and there's grumbling in your heart now. What? What is this? What's going on here? Not only is he hanging out with them, he's, he's eating with them. He's drinking with them. He's laughing. Like, like, does he not see the people that are around him and he's just laughing? Is he just is he not taking serious the, the just sheer sin and debauchery that is surrounding him? Does he not care? Why is he not calling them out? And Jesus looks up. Let me tell you a story. Let's say you're a shepherd. And a sheep of yours strays away. What would be happening in your heart? What would be happening within you? How would you feel in that moment? What would you be processing? Maybe not even much because you would just act so fast. We, Larissa and I, have a wanderer for a son. You're hanging out somewhere in the store at SeaWorld, at the zoo, and, 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 and you're like right there with them, and then just suddenly you look up and you're just like, where did they go? And it is for any parent or anyone that's ever watched a, a child in that moment, there's, the, just, there's, there's the, the initial like, okay, I'm going to scan the places that I know that they're likely going to be, right? So there's just, it's, it's low-level anxiousness at that point, and then you just kind of look around and just go, oh, wait a minute. They're not there. Now I'm going to walk. I'm going to walk around. And as you're walking, there's just like every single step that you take, that level of anxiousness is just growing a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And then you look over, maybe say at, at your friend or maybe your spouse is there, and then you notice that there's that same level of like anxiousness that's on, on, on their face. And then you just like your anxiousness feeds off of one another. And you're just like, oh, this is serious. <laughs> 
And at that point, now you start shouting. Right? At that point, you start going, where are you? Right? And then you just find out that they just like, decided to go play in a bush somewhere because they thought it'd be fun. You can't do that, right? Like, so Jesus tells this story just to say, like, what would be happening? Come on. What would be happening in your heart? Now, now imagine you find that sheep. Imagine you find that sheep. What's happening in your heart? What's, What's taking place within you? How are you feeling in that moment? Can you imagine, like, you have your sheep over your shoulders and you're walking home and the sense of relief, the sense of joy, the sense of just, like, like peace that would come over you. It's like everything in my world just went on, just, just paused. Everything in, that, in my world just stopped for a while, and now I'm able to breathe again. And, and you're walking home, can you imagine like what you would say if, if your neighbor or your friend was right there? Or you just say, you would say, rejoice with me. This is now, imagine a, a woman. She's in her home and, and she has these 10 coins. It's likely that these, these coins are her livelihood. Have you ever been poor? Have you ever been in a place of longing? Have you, have you ever been in a place where you're trying to figure out, like, if, if, I, don't, if, I, don't, if I don't see this, this, this coin, what's this next week going to look like for me? What is it, what's that going to be? What's happening in your heart? Desperation? Pain? Frustration? Do you you see the language that Jesus is describing here in the story of which he's saying that she she lit a lamp. She swept everything. She sought diligently. This isn't just like, oh, no, where did did my my pencil go that I was just using right now? I'm so forgetful and so often in my life, like I'm, I'm doing something and then I just, like I have, whatever the disease is where you open the fridge and you can't find something that's just like blatantly right in front of your eyes, I have that disease. But that, that's not what this is. This is a, this is, a, I don't know how tomorrow's going to play out. This is, I, if, I don't, if I don't find this, I don't know what I'm going to do. And you find that coin. What's happening in your heart? <laughs> What's taking place within you? How are you feeling? I know for me, the first thing I would do is text someone or call someone. You're like, I found it. (laughs) Why? Because the prayer request would have been sent out beforehand. It would have been, I don't know where this is at. Would you pray with me? And then, then now it would be this point of where you're sending texts and the balloons pop up on the iPhone and like the, the, the confetti emojis going off, right? Because it's this point of saying like, ha, ah, ah, I can breathe again. I can breathe again. 
Jesus tells this, these stories to clue us in on what's happening in his heart. The religious leaders are grumbling, and the question on their mind is, Jesus, why are you so happy? Why are you so happy to have this crew of people around you? And Jesus' response is to say, my kids, my kids were missing. And my entire world was put on pause. My kids were gone. Do you not see that? Do you not, do you not see the longing that was happening within my heart? My kids were gone. And they're back. My kids are back. What would happen in your own heart if your kids were back? Would you not sit around the table and, and, and hug them and embrace them and eat with them and drink with them and say, whatever you need, it's yours? Would that not be the posture of your own heart? My, my kids were lost. And I got them back. I got my kids back. When Larissa and I were in Olympia, Washington, for just about like a 10-month period of time, we had, we had the, the honor and privilege of, of working with, an, uh, with a nonprofit that worked with at-risk high school students. And it was these kids that were living on the streets. Um, we, we went from, from, uh, from a church, like traditional ministry type setting, and then, uh, and then we transitioned up to this nonprofit, and, and every night it was just hanging out with homeless teenagers. It was, it was with teenagers that, that despised the church. They didn't want anything to do with the church. There was kids that, that had got kicked out, of rejected from so many different spaces. It was kids that were in and out of the foster care system. It was just kids that just got the brunt end of life. And man, the scene of just coming into the space. So here's what would happen traditionally is that every night is that they would show up and we had the, the, the receptionist desk that was there and we had a drawer specifically for their weapons so that they would check in their weapons as they came in to the, into the youth center. So they, they would check in their weapons and, and then they would come to either computers or they would come to the pool table or they would just sit around couches with us or we would just, I would just lose in video games over and over again every single night to these teenagers. Just like, you wanna play Halo, I guess? Like, yeah. And I would just constantly get shot on Halo by, by all these teenagers. And there was so much cussing and there was, there was so, much, so many stories that would just be like, Oh, I couldn't imagine, like, just going from, like, junior high ministry from really, like, just, like, primp and proper church community, and then all of a sudden, they're just, like, there's all these kids that are just, man, they were telling stories that would just make you blush, like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that that's what you're going through, and that's what you did today, and just, like, but, but that wasn't ever the response. It was just, like, laughing with them and, and enjoying life together, and, yeah, I mean, just, just some of the things that would, like, I mean, the kids... Yeah, there's there part of these, there was, it was simultaneously like heartbreaking, but also really endearing times 
there's kids that would often, they would show up, and like this one gal one, one day came in because it was raining. It was Washington State, so it was raining all the time, and she had this great idea that to, to dry out her socks, she would put them in the microwave. And, and so she put him in the, like, we're just all hanging out together, and all of a sudden there's just this stench that fills the youth center and sparks that are flying inside of the microwave, and they open it up, and, like, her, her socks had caught fire. Um, and it was just, it was just, it was just fun. It was just, it was just fun to be around them. And, and so one, at, at some point within, um, serving in this nonprofit, we, Lurs and I had this thought, like, let's, on Tuesday night, let's do, let's do dinner with the kids. I mean, because they were, they, like, one, one 13-year-old girl was responsible for watching her one-year-old sister, and she came in, and all she had to feed her, her sister was ranch packets from, from Jack in the Box. And we're just like, we, we just, we just need to, we just need to feed them. And so we just had this thought, like, let's, let's contact local churches and let's just throw a dinner party every Tuesday night. We'll just, we, and so we would, we would, like, move all of the computers off of the desks and we would grab all of our, our desks that were in our offices and, and we'd, we'd get all, like, the, the coffee table that was around in front of the TV and we would just try to, like, shove them all into a, like, big circle and just say, like, let's just have dinner together. Like 40 to 50 kids that were living on the streets just sat around a dinner table with us. And, and the comment was from, from a handful of them was, we have never sat at a table with anyone. We never sat at a table with anyone. And, and yeah, they were, they were living lives that they would absolutely fly in the face of any of our church values, of, of anything that we might like esteem as, as ways, as lifestyles that should be lived as for followers of Jesus. And, and if anyone had showed up and kind of maybe from a distance observed, yeah, maybe I suppose they could say like, why, why are you just laughing? with them? Like, why are you not confronting all the ways that they're living? And, and, and the posture of our heart was just simply, they know we love Jesus, and they keep showing up. <laughs> and that makes us really happy. <laughs> they... They know who we are. They know what our lives are like. But they just keep on showing up. And, and one night as we were having dinner around the table together, we would typically just have one question for the night. Um, and the one question that we, we had for this night was it was a two-part question. It was, what's, what's one of the best decisions you've ever made in your life? And what's one of the worst decisions you've ever made in your life? And... And it was just a spirit of grace and joy and fun as these stories were being shared. And this one, one kid spoke up and he said, I was, I was in the park today. He goes, I was in the park today. I was smoking a cigarette. 
And then I had this thought. I should give my life to Jesus. So I did. <laughs> it, it, just, it was just that. I was, I was in the park smoking a cigarette, and I decided I should give my life to Jesus. And so I did. Because that was the best decision I've ever made in my life. And, he goes, and the worst decision I've ever made was to wait this long to do that. And you just... You could probably picture it, the just look of, of, of sheer just like shock and joy that was on all of our faces there uh, as the staff of, of that youth center. <laughs> right? It wasn't this point. It was just like, well, you shouldn't have been smoking a cigarette. Like, it was just like... <laughs> no, it was... We have a new brother. That was the response. We have a new brother. A handful of you asked this morning um, how, how our family's doing because you, you heard that, that COVID has just been like hanging out in our house for a really long time. Just, just like chilling with its feet up on our coffee table. And May, May 29th, Luris and I um, flew out to, to Orlando, Florida um, to go to a pastor's conference. And, and the boys just weren't left alone in the home. And like, we just didn't fill up a bowl of, of, of Lucky Charms and say, see you later. Larissa's parents hung out with the boys for a week. And it was a great time. But then we came home Friday, June 3rd, got picked up around like 6 or 7 at night um, by, by Larissa's parents and, and our boys. And we went out to dinner together. Um, and then the next morning, June 4th, Larissa woke up with some cold symptoms and a cough and, and a little bit just feeling pretty tired. And she was like, I should probably test this morning. Like, we, we were in Florida, right? Like, <laughs> and, and so she tested, and she was positive for COVID, and I was not. So Larissa was just in her room alone. Um, starting at June 3rd, at, or June 4th. And then Monday rolls around, or Tuesday, we get a notification from, uh, from the school that Tiago, our six-year-old, had uh, a close exposure at school. And then Friday, whatever that was, June 10th, he tested positive for COVID. Um, and so he gets thrown in the room with Larissa. Um, and then, so Justice and I are testing all last weekend, and he was negative, and he was negative, and then Monday morning rolls around, and he tests positive for COVID um, this past Monday. And so at that point, I get thrown into a room, <laughs> and the family now gets the rest of the house. Um, hey, by the way, I feel like a superhero, because, like, that Friday night, like, last night, we... We slept in the same room, and then Monday morning, Tiago came into my guest, into the, I was sleeping in the guest room, and he snuggled up with me, and we wrestled together, and then he tests positive for COVID, and then Justice and I are hanging out together all weekend, and, and, and then he tests positive, and I still, even this morning, I tested uh, negative, so I'm feeling good, but it's just like, as of right now, right, so yes, I'm negative right now, um, 
But, what is it, June 19th? We haven't been together all together, sitting in close proximity as a family since May 29th. Right, and that's, that's, I mean, listen, that's light compared to how we have military families that are a part of our church community. We have people that have gone on trips, we, right? There, 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 there are circumstances in life in which we uh, all collectively have said we've been apart from loved ones for a longer period of time than we would have wished. But it's, it's still weird to be near my family, but not to be able to really like embrace my family, right? Since just since May 29th, like we we had one evening where we all sat around the dinner table together and hung out with one another, and it's just it's like man, it'd be really nice just to all sit on the couch together, or it'd be really nice just to like be in one of the boys' rooms and sitting on the bed with one another and reading a book together. Like, there's this, the, that simple, the kids jumping on top of you and you're just like all there together it would be great. I mean, you take that little bit of longing in my own heart for over, what, the past two or three weeks of not being able to really reside together with my family. And you compare that with the pure, holy, radical, deep love of God and him being separated from humanity. And, and, and you take that picture and that understanding of his heart and then you read these parables. And imagine now what it's like for him to say, I got my kids back. Like I was, I was around them, because I'm God, I'm everywhere, right? Like I was around them, but that nearness, that, that embrace, that closeness, that, that shared joy, that, that being with one another, I've got that back. I've got that back. So he tells this other story, and I, he tells the story of a son that, that asks for his inheritance and, and, and takes his inheritance and goes out into a foreign land and squanders all of his dad's inheritance, all of his, his dad's possessions. And by the way, we can, we can stop and we can see within that even just like the inheritance that God has given us. Like what, what, what's, what's meant to provoke our imagination here in this story is the understanding of, of the creation account on the very front pages of, of Scripture is this understanding that you have been given the earth. You, you, you have been given creation and, and you were called to rule and to reign and to govern and, 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 and just, just exercise dominion over all that is your father's, right? It's the stories that is meant to remind you of, 
of who you really are. And it's this point of reminder that you've, you've wandered away from that. You've, you've squandered that. We have squandered that. And so, so Jesus tells the story of the son that's off in a foreign and distant land, and, and all of a sudden he's there and he realizes, ah, don't I have a dad that would take me back? Don't I have a dad that would take me back? And it's incredible that as, as Jesus is telling the story, the, the, the words that are used here in the story is that as the son was still a far way off, the father saw him and was moved with compassion. As the son was still a far way off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion. This, this story that Jesus tells is meant to, 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 to give us a picture of God, an understanding of God who always has his eyes on the horizon. That, that God is still ruling and reigning over the estate. That God is still tending to the, the creation. That he is, he is taking care of his vineyard. He is taking care of the house. But he's doing so with a distracted heart. And, and the distraction that resides in his heart is that his eyes are on the horizon. Yes, he's ruling over creation and he's caring for the universe. But there's something missing. And so the picture for us is of, is of a father that's always looking out. Always having his eyes on the horizon. And who sees his children who are far away off and he runs toward them. He runs after them. And and, and, and what stands out to me, particularly in these first two parables of the sheep and the coin, is what Jesus, is what Jesus says in both of them. And I can imagine that as he's telling these parables, he's talking about the sheep that's, that wandered and the shepherd goes after him and he, and he finds that one sheep and he talks about the woman that lost the coin and, and she scours over everything in the house and she finds that lost coin and then after he describes both of those moments of something being found, I imagine Jesus looking right into the eyes of the religious leaders and saying these words. Rejoice with me. Rejoice with me. This is the invitation from Jesus to all of us. Rejoice with me. See, the way that, that Luke opens up these stories is, is with these words. He talks about the, 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 the prostitutes and, and the tax collectors and, and this radical group of, of sinners draw near to Jesus. And the religious leaders grumbled. And, and that's the context. That's the setting up of all of these stories that Jesus is telling us. And so his, his, his point in telling these stories is to get those grumpy religious folk to hear these words. 
Rejoice with me. Share my heart. That's the point here. Share my heart. Because, because listen, you can, you can keep on practicing, practicing flawlessly the commands of the Torah, but if you don't share my heart, then what's the point? This is the invitation. This is the invitation. Listen, we, we, it's not, we don't gather here to be more proficient at religious practices. We gather here to be like Jesus. For his character and his nature, for his heart to become our heart. Right? It isn't just, it isn't just like, like just bland spiritual practices. But it's for us to become like Jesus. It's to rejoice with him. It's to celebrate. It's for who he is to infect every part of who we are. Are we with him? Is his heart our heart? Listen to these words from Eugene Peterson. I just I have to, to read them to you. Some of Jesus' sharpest disagreements were with the scribes and the Pharisees, the persons in the first century who knew the words of Scripture well, but heard the voice of God not at all. They had an extensive and meticulous knowledge of Scripture. They revered it. They memorized it. They used it to regulate every detail of your life, of their life. So why did Jesus excoriate them? Because the words were studied and not heard. For, the, for them, the scriptures had become a book to use, not a means by which to listen to God. They isolated the book from the divine act of speaking covenantal commands and gospel promises. They separated the book from the human act of hearing, which would become believing, following, and loving Printer's ink became embalming fluid. Whew. The invitation is rejoice with me. Have my heart. Feel what I feel. Feel what I feel. I think the next point of instruction to us is celebrate. Rejoice. The, the, the proper response that we are given by Jesus is that we are to be a people that celebrate. That we would be a people that are endeared to the community of people that are gathered around him. That, 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 that when we look at the people that, that Jesus is calling to himself, that what would happen within us is not grumbling, it would be celebration. <laughs> that we would be excited, that we would be endeared, that we would be affectionate, that we would be happy over those that Jesus is calling to himself. We'd celebrate. The, 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 the best possible thing in life that could happen to someone has happened to you. You've returned to the Father. I'm so happy that you're here. 
We get to sit at the Father's table together. We get to be family. We get to be friend. I don't care your history. I don't, I don't care your background. Are you sitting at the king's table? Well, let's party. <laughs> let's, let's banquet together. Let's, the, the posture of the church is fiesta. And listen, I, I was thinking about that this week, and I was, I was just like, even my own place provoked to a place of like, yes! This is so great. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go out and buy ice cream for the church. <laughs> and so I bought ice cream from the, for the church. And so, so after service, when we all gather downstairs in the courtyard, we're going to have ice cream together. And, and there's paletas, and there's um, those Costco chocolate-dipped vanilla cones with, yeah, anyways. It's just this point of just like, Let's just celebrate. Let, let, there be, let there be joy that gets evoked in, in, in the body of, of, of believers because we were lost and were found. We belong to Jesus. No greater thing can be celebrated. And every week that we gather together, it's this reminder that we were lost and were found. The... the the other point that I, would, that I would encourage us to live out as we look at these stories is this. Have a regular practice of returning to Jesus. I, I think that the posture that, that I would take is, now I hope that I continue to take, is you read parables like this, is to be reminded, every day I'm the lost sheep. Every day I'm the lost coin. Every day I'm the prodigal son. and I get to return to Jesus. And so again, our, our, our spiritual practices, our disciplines, our prayer life, our devotional life, our, our times of silence and solitude, all of these things aren't just so that we're better Christians. It's this idea of saying these are avenues for relationship. These are, these are, these are things that I do because every day I want to be reminded that I get to return to the presence of Jesus. And so every day... I will practice returning to Jesus and find his joy and delight. And find his joy and delight. Let me, let me conclude with a story. It, the story is told by Tony Campola. Um, and and he, he was talking about that he, was, he went out to Honolulu, Hawaii, and he got in really late, and he was jet-lagged. Um, and he, it was 3 in the morning, and the only place to eat was just this really run-down, greasy diner. And he, and he came in. He came into this diner, and he sat down. And he goes, "The only place to sit was at the counter where the stools were at." And and as he sat down, and um, and he asked for a coffee. And then he looked, and there was a little platter of donuts. And he said, "I'll just take a donut." And, and he says, so the cook walks up, and he, he lifts the glass, and and he sees the thing of donuts, and he looks at his hand, and the, and the cook kind of does this number, and he kind of just rubs his hand off, and then he grabs the donut and hands it to Tony. So that's, I mean, that's the setting that he's in, and then as he's sitting there, he goes, suddenly there's just, there's a group of prostitutes that come into the diner. Like, they just finished their, their work for the evening, and they sit 
on both sides of him. And he goes, so there I am, just in this diner, and, and, and I'm sitting at this table, and there's just prostitutes on, on both sides of me, and we're just, just there together. And, and then he goes, as we're hanging out together, just one of the, one of the women turns to the others and says, hey, my, my birthday is tomorrow. And then the other that's over here says, so? Like, what do, you, what do you want us to do about that? And his conversation kind of just keeps going, and, and then they get up and, and they leave. And Tony's sitting there, and, and he looks up at, at the cook, and he says, do they come in every night into this diner? And he goes, yeah, they, they come in every single night right around this time. And, and so he says, can we, the, the one that sits here, and the cook goes, yeah, Agnes? And he goes, yeah, Agnes. He goes, it's her birthday tomorrow. Can we throw her a birthday party? And the cook, like, lights up and says, yeah. And, and, and so Tony says, well, I, I'll, I'll come in early, and, and I'll, I'll bring streamers and balloons, and we'll just like, we'll, we'll deck out the place, and, and, and the cook's there, and, then, and the cook yells to the back to his wife. I don't remember his wife's name. He just says, hey, this guy wants to throw a birthday party for Agnes. <laughs> and then the wife comes out ecstatic. She goes, that would be amazing. And they say, we'll, we'll, we'll make the cake. We'll make the cake. So he says, he, he gets there, he's getting ready to set everything up, and he says that word has spread throughout the entire city. And, and the entire diner is filled wall to wall with prostitutes and like just the notorious sinners of the town. And they are all there for Agnes's birthday party. And, and, and she steps into the room, she steps into the diner, and as she does, everyone just yells, Happy Birthday, Agnes! And then they bring out the cake. And as they bring out the cake, they set it before her, and everyone's chanting, Cut the cake, Agnes! Cut the cake, Agnes! And, and she stops, and she looks up at Tony and says, Do I have to cut the cake? And he says, well, I mean, it's your cake. And, and she says, I've never had a birthday cake in my life. She says, my mom just lives right down, right down the street. Can I just take the cake and can I go show it to her? She would be so filled with so much joy to, to know that I got a birthday cake today. And so she picks up the cake and she walks out of the diner and then Tony's just sitting there. Imagine this room just filled with people, and he says, he goes, I don't know what I was thinking in the moment, and I just stopped and said, let's pray. <laughs> and, and, he, and he leads this prayer, and he leads this prayer, and then, the, and then the cook looks up at him and says, hey, you didn't tell me you were some preacher man. And he goes, well, I, I, I mean, I am also like a, a psychologist. And he goes, well, what kind of church do you go to anyway? And Tony Campolo responds. He says, the type of church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at three in the morning. 
And then the cook says, no, you don't. I would go to a church like that. And in that moment, Tony, I saw it on video, and he he looks up to everyone else that's there, the church that's gathered, and he goes, wouldn't we all, wouldn't we all go to a church that throws parties for prostitutes at three in the morning? The, the, The church is called to bring joy and celebration to a world that is longing and hungry for joy and celebration. For a people who it can be said of us that we rejoice with the heart that Jesus rejoices with. That, that, that our hearts, that our, our lives are postured to the lost and the broken world around us. And we are not grumblers. We're a people that celebrate. We are a people that bring light to the darkness. We are a people that bring joy and celebration to the world around us. Let's pray. Father, we started off our morning by by singing that your heart won't stop running after us. May we know that that isn't some kind of threat. <laughs> it isn't some kind of like you're, you're after us to punish us, but the posture of your heart is to, to embrace us. is to draw us near to yourself. Jesus, I pray that, that simply what might continue to happen within our own hearts is that we would know your joy and delight over us that as, as the words of the prophet even give us this picture of, uh, of you being one that, that, that sings and dances over us. That you love us to a degree that we can't even begin to fathom or understand. I would just pray that we would be a people that would intimately know that love And that it would change who we are. Let it not be said of us that we could speak with the tongues of angels. That we can prophesy with incredible proficiency and power, but we don't have love. May love be what resides deep within who we are. Change us so that we might be a people that express and carry your love and your joy and your celebrating into the world that we navigate day in and day out. So we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Let's conclude with a song.